0: Good morning, Tyndale. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me here today. The chapel location has changed and the school has moved since I was here, but it still feels like coming home. Some of my most cherished years of ministry were actually here at Tyndale. I will be forever grateful for my many years serving here 18 years is a really long time. I will always love uh, the colleagues I served with, and I will always be thankful for the gift of so very many students students who helped to shape me, even as it was my task to shape them. So, it is International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day. This is a day for a great celebration. It has a, a Deep meaning for women all over the world, uh, women's rights, women's health, the place of all women all over the world. And yet I think for us today, this is a moment, or should be a moment, a celebration for all of us of what it means to be in Christ as women and men. I've been really blessed in my many years of ministry, not because they've been easy, but because they've been good. Good because the Lord has always been with me. Good because the God we serve is a good God. Like so many others who are called into vocational ministry, I didn't daydream as a little girl about one day becoming a senior pastor. Superhero? Yes. (laughs) International spy? 100%. But I never dreamed of becoming a pastor and then a dean of students and then going back to being in full-time congregational life as a pastor again. It just wasn't in my plan. I was a dancer, a dance coach, a varsity basketball player, a DJ for a really long time. Uh, That was back in the day when we used these things called records. I don't know if you've ever seen them. But I was a professional photographer. I was a kitchen and bathroom designer. I studied political science and philosophy, Western literature and art. And I was actually on my way to law school when the Lord called me, I feel, into a life of vocational ministry to become a pastor. God had other plans for me. Let me just say really quickly that God wasted nothing. Not a single one of those experiences that I mentioned have been wasted in my ministry. If we had time, I would actually go into each one and tell you how that experience enhanced my ministry and informed my ministry today. But every single one has come in so handy in ministry. So next time someone says to you, I'm sorry, you're studying what? Your hobby is what? What are you going to do with that? You can always reply and say, Well, I mean, it could be that God is calling me to be a pastor one day. You just never know. My point is this. God's genius is always more genius than our own. His ways are higher. His ways are better. Haven't you found that true already in your own life? The plans we make always seem perfect in the moment we make them. Just perfect until they get derailed or detoured and when they get derailed and detoured, isn't that when we learn the most about God, the most about ourselves? Isn't that the time when we find paths or roads that we never even knew existed and somehow end up on the path of life? I wish I could say to you that I have always been confident, that I have always felt God's clear prompting in my life, as clear as the bluest blue sky. The reality is that while there have been blue skies, and they've been glorious blue skies, there have also been many foggy ones too, dark, stormy, unclear. I have found myself in many situations throughout my years in ministry when I was confused and frustrated because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know why God had called me to places that were so difficult. Circumstances that were so trying. Places that were just so hard to be. So many places where I felt convinced this is exactly where God wanted me to be. So convinced in fact that I went in thinking this is it. This is my place. I am gonna be so awesome for God here. Only to suddenly face the reality that it wasn't so awesome. In fact, it was really very difficult. And when the reality sank in, I would think to myself, what is this? And I would lament longer and harder than I think David ever did in the Psalms. I would cry out, why? How long, Lord? How long? What do we do when we find ourselves in lamentable, confusing, stressful pressured, even hostile environments? How do we survive in our complex times? How can we be faithful to serve God, especially when it hurts to do so? Let me suggest that before we give in to the instinct to run away, before we scour our LinkedIn connections, Google where we can go next, before we give in to the culture that tells us that we shouldn't have to suffer, that the world should be our oyster, before we go, Stay, at least for a little while. Stay until God makes it abundantly, absolutely, 100% clear that it's time to go. The background for the passage that George read for us this morning is the, the very fact that the great Babylonian power had come to Israel, had invaded, had sacked Jerusalem, and had taken the children of Israel captive, exiles to Babylon. When the Jewish exiles got to Babylon, they found a huge city, Hostile, enormous, brutal, confusing, dog-eat-dog world, and it was filled with all these random, well, maybe not random, but other exiles too. It was just busy, 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 filled with all of these different people groups with radically different ideas of religion, morality, the very nature of the world. The question for them and the question for us is pretty obvious. How do we live in it? How do we respond to a difficult, complex, fragmented society? How do you respond to a hostile environment? There are parallels here. We live in a society in which it's getting so that most people, even in a great city like ours, feel a little bit like exiles for very different reasons. In this Jeremiah passage, God teaches us a way to relate to living in our city and, I believe, a way to relate to circumstances that seem unbearable. And he even shows us how to get the power to do it. Now many of you in this room have already probably read St. Augustine's great book, The City of God. He read the Bible and he said the Bible tells us that the history of the world is basically a tale of two cities. We see them contrasted especially in the book of Isaiah and the book of Psalms, the city of man and the city of God. Go to Isaiah 26, for example. There it talks about the city of man, the earthly city, the lofty city, the city it feels like in which we live today in Toronto. The lofty city, the city of man is characterized by pride and it operates on this basis, this basis of human pride. People go into the human city to make a name for themselves. They go into the city to get, to get recognition, to get a good resume, to get self, to get love, To get whatever it is they went to get. They just go to get. People go into the human city really because they're looking for something to make themselves whole. It's a place that's just a place of exhaustion. It's a place of oppression. It's a place that is so exhausted because they're burning both ends of the candle all the time. Working so hard to prove themselves. Working so hard to get somewhere. They go into the city to get, they need to get more. More money, more power, more, more, more. Needing to get good, just to feel good about themselves. Not only that, but it's a a place, not only of exhaustion, but also of oppression. It's a place of oppression because when everyone is working so hard to get up the ladder, you know what inevitably happens? Is that we step on each other. We leave each other behind. We neglect one another all to climb up the ladder. I mean, it's what we have to do if you want to get up the ladder, right? Well, in contrast, the Bible tells us there's a heavenly city, the city of God. The city of God doesn't work on the principle of human pride. The city of God doesn't work on the basis of human effort, but on God's grace. Because of that, you know what? It's not a place of exhaustion. It's a place of fulfillment, How is that possible? Well, the people in the city of God have God's grace and they know God's grace, which means that they already know who they are. When that is your basis for living, you don't come into the city of God to get. You come into the city of God to give. You don't come into the city of God to figure out who you are. You already know who you are. You are a child of the most high God. You are sons and daughters of the Most High King. You're already loved. You already have a self. You don't need to look for the world's approval. It's not a place of exhaustion. It's a place of joy. And it's not a place of oppression. It's a place of justice because you don't have to step on other people in order to feel superior. Let me put it really simply. The city of man works on this principle. Your life to benefit me. I come to get. The city of God works on the principle, my life to serve you. I already know to whom I belong. We feel the exhaustion, don't we? I mean, all through the Bible, you have these two cities and and we feel the exhaustion of living in this one. Very often, we see these two cities and they're called Jerusalem and Babylon, but clearly, they're the earthly city and the heavenly city. And you know what? Up until Jeremiah's time, you read the Bible and you get the impression that we're just living in this human city, waiting for the city of God to come to us. It's exhausting. I'm exhausted. It's only Wednesday. Are you tired? I mean, we feel the oppression of life at every turn. We feel that someday God is going to come to earth and destroy the earthly city because that's what Scripture tells us, right? There are lots of places in the Bible that talk about this, how God is going to bring down the lofty city and replace it with the joy of the city of God. There are a lot of places in the Bible that talk about this. Up until the time of Jeremiah, that's what everybody thought. That's what some of us still think today, that the city of God is is somewhere else, somewhere we're going to get to one day, some place other than here. And yet, all of a sudden, in the book of Jeremiah, God says, move into Babylon and seek its peace. Scripture says, you are a city on a hill. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's what Scripture says. You are a city on a hill. Do you know, when it talks here about that, let your good deeds and praise your father in heaven with them, you know what it's talking about? It's not just talking about living a good life, a good living, a moral, ethical life. It's talking about deeds of service. Here's what Jesus is saying to us this morning. He's saying the city of God is not just a future geographic place we're going to. There is in every human city today both an earthly city and a city of God. There are both the city of God and the city of man They almost coincide. They work together. There's a mini city in every city. The city of God is the people of God, which is you and me, who form an alternate city in every city that we live in. You are a city on a hill. God is saying, don't lose your difference and don't lose your distinction in this city. Don't lord over with your differences and distinctions in this city. God is saying, use them. Use your distinction, use your difference to bless and to serve this city. That's what he's saying. What is different about us? We believe in God. We believe in the one true God. We believe God redeems the world. So if we believe that and we do, then out of that, we can serve and we can thrive even in difficult situations. Right here in this passage, Jeremiah gives us this crazy word. He says, Stay, stay, stay in the sometimes scary, hostile place and carry on with life's activities. Prepare for and increase growth every single day. Don't wait until you have more security. Don't wait until you're in a better place. Don't wait until you get a better job or a bigger house. Don't wait for all of these things. Live your life now faithfully for me. Jesus says this morning, plant your gardens today. Get married, have children, encourage your children to have children, to make a strong community. Build the city of God, even in a place where God feels absent. Live your life now, even when the circumstances may not be of your choosing. God is committed to expanding and growing us when we respond to his faith in us, when we respond to his voice, and when we're obedient. The circumstances of life are often like the ingredients in homemade biscuits. I know if you've ever made homemade biscuits, but the flour doesn't taste very good on its own. The baking powder tastes terrible. All the other ingredients, the lard, nothing tastes good on its own. But when you mix it together and you mix it just right, you put it in the oven under a little heat, they come out beautiful, delicious, just right. Don't just figure out a way to survive Find your way to thrive within your circumstances. Trusting and obeying is still the heart of God for each and every one of us. His plans are always intentional and his purposes always include our peace and a bright future, an eternal hope. Strange, boring, even sometimes bitter and distasteful circumstances mixed together with a little faith and gratitude for the God we know loves us always results in something beautiful in the longer term. The unselfish life, the committed and faithful life, the life that seeks peace and the blessing of the very ones who might oppress us, that's the life of rediscovered blessing, friends. It's not always easy, but it's always good. The God who loves us, he doesn't allow us to be in difficult places to punish us. He doesn't keep us in those dark places forever. Maybe for a long time, but not forever. I mean, at the very least, there's a heaven that awaits, yeah? There's an end in sight. What I'm trying to say very simply is this, that in general, until we're called out of a place, we're usually called to stay. At least for a while. Sometimes a very long while. Long enough to do whatever good we can. Long enough to plant seeds and lay roots and seek the peace and prosperity of the very place that we're in blessing and doing everything we can for the benefit of those around us. It's been my experience that God never releases us. He doesn't call us out of any places until we've done our very, very best there, used all of our gifts, used all of our resources to bless and serve there intentionally and cheerfully until we've been released. Be his hands and feet where God calls you. No matter how much you love God and no matter how well equipped you are from your education the truth is that sometimes serving is hard serving is rough but life with Christ is always good wherever you find yourself today stay and live let God grow you there and teach you what you need to learn about yourself and about him before you go You know, sometimes God calls us to stay in places because they're hard and because they're so desperately in need of light that only you can bring in your unique way to that time and that place. And let's be really honest. I'm not just talking about places that don't yet know the Lord. It can be hard, but in Christ it is always good. We are cities on a hill. Let your light shine, and as you seek and Seek the peace and prosperity of this city that you find yourself in today. I promise you that if you stay and you live and you live cheerfully, thankful for what the Lord has given you and not for what you lack, I promise you that you will see and experience the grace of God in ways you never thought you could, never imagined possible. If God has called you somewhere difficult, stay before you go for your sake but also for the sake of the kingdom. May I pray for you? Let's pray together. God, you are good and we are so thankful that because your mercies are new every morning that we don't have to borrow from yesterday's. You are sovereign, Lord over all, Lord over every detail and circumstance in our lives. I'm surrounded this morning, Lord, by men and women who I know are people after God's very own heart. Bless them, Lord, with staying power, I pray. Give us each one an extra measure of your wisdom and discernment today. Surround us with wise friends and godly counsel to help us on our journey of faith and help us all to have the humility to stay where you call us to stay and grant us the courage to go where and when you call us to go. We love you, Lord, and we want our lives to shine for you. So be with us as we serve you in all we are and all that we do today. And in the days ahead, we ask believing in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends.